everyone. Welcome to another edition of Founder Wisdom Podcast. Today we have with us Lori Wigan. She's CEO of Beyond, uh, a very cool company based in Tyson Corner, Virginia. Lori, can you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a bit more about Beyond? Sure. Charles, thanks for having me on today. I'm the CEO of Beyond, and Beyond is a business growth consultancy. We help software, technology, and manufacturing companies grow their profits and their revenues. We assist them in developing not only uh, the plan for that, but we help them really understand what the issues are with their companies. We have a variety of methods and questionnaires to do that. We also help implement the plans and strategies that we help them come up with. Okay, and to be precise with what kind of uh, businesses do you work in, what sector, what size, and what, uh, what kind of persona do you deal with here? Sure. We typically work with companies that are five to 50 million in revenue, so lower middle market companies. We work with companies in sectors including IT, robotics, IoT, aerospace, manufacturing, software, SaaS, other sectors like that. Okay, very cool. And uh, these companies, do they want, do they aim for an exit? Like why do they um, take your, your services? Is it to be potentially acquired or is it just to increase margins? What is the, the typical case here? It's all of the above. So we help companies organically grow if they choose to do that, scale and acquire. So those are the three main ways that companies grow. Also, you can have combinations of those. So that's what we help companies do. And it's not, it's very important not only to increase your revenues, but also to increase your profits. Because if you just increase your revenues and you don't look at profits, you might also be uh, increasing your expenses even faster than your revenues. And that's not a good place to be. How do you, what, what kind of recommendations do you uh, make to those companies generally to improve their margins? Right. Well, it depends on what they want to do. So if they're looking to organically grow, we would assist them by understanding where they think their problem spots are and addressing those. Growth, okay. organic growth is achieved by increasing your revenues, but very frequently you're increasing your expenses as well versus scaling where you increase your revenues, but you hold your expenses steady. And you do that typically by introducing automation and greater efficiencies into your operations. Whereas with acquisition, of course, you make the decision that the way to grow your company is to buy another company. And by doing so, you can increase your margins that way as well. Okay, and you have a background in, in space. Can you tell us more like about that and your past companies in, in space? And maybe you can relate that to also beyond if you still have uh, some connections in, in space uh, with space companies nowadays. Sure. 
I worked for the Boeing company for 19 years as a systems engineer. And that was a great experience because I got a lot of product development experience. And I worked on the Space Station Freedom Program, a launch vehicle program, space experiments, uh, next generation air traffic control, uh, stuff I can't talk about. And <clears throat> by the time I left there, I had a really great uh, technical base. And I, after I left there, I became a consultant and I had already had my first space business, which was uh, putting uh, space payloads into orbit. <clears throat> and uh, I also had a business uh, during my um, early consulting days that developed a uh, project risk management tool. Uh, and uh, I found myself uh, moving more towards the business side of things. And that's how I started beyond in 2017. And you were in charge I feel of like bringing like payloads to, to space at, at some point. You had a company that did that, to space company. Tell us a bit more about that. Right, to space, yes. We would take uh, uh, payloads that people wanted to fly and uh, take them to space. Um, I had trouble getting flights. That was the main problem uh, with uh, getting that company uh, beyond the startup stage. So this was the early 2000s when there are far fewer flights. But that was a great experience because I learned a lot about startups and how to do that. And how to so how did SpaceX succeeded into bringing payloads? Like what did they do differently uh, than you did back in these days? Uh, SpaceX versus yeah. my company, is that the question? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, it helps to have a, a billionaire financier. Indeed. Money yeah. uh, kills, or the lack of it, kills a lot of startups. Yeah. But you know, one thing I learned about um, the startups that I did have yeah. and, and my current business is how to do business, how mm -hmm. to be a successful business person. Yeah. And along with the broad technical background that I have, both my business partner and I share that. We have a lot of product development uh, experience as well as a business acumen. And that's a discriminator for us for beyond. And nowadays, do you still work with some space companies? Um, I do. As a matter of fact, um, the, I was on the board of a space company and they just got sold to another space company. So uh, that was very interesting to observe that. And um, I was able to help that company both from the technical and business point of view. That's why they asked me to be part of their board. And that was, that was great fun. So what, um, as a general business strategy, um, what do you recommend generally with, with people that uh, want to sell their businesses eventually vs people that just want to build a behemoth or even a lifestyle business and live off the, the cash flow of, of that business? Do we actually need to, to sell or be acquired? What's, what's the, the point of that? Right. So it really depends on your goals. Um, serial entrepreneurs, they start businesses with the idea of selling them in 
three to seven years. And uh, they know how to structure the business right from the get-go so that it can be sold uh, rapidly uh, down the line and that it will fetch a high multiple. Um, versus folks that have lifestyle businesses, they may have had, they may have started that business and had it for 20, 30, even 40 years. So this is not only their business, their income, but it's a vital part of their identity. And so parting with it can be difficult emotionally. And the longer that you have a business and the more of yourself you put into it, the harder it can be to let go of it. Yeah, for but sure. the idea is that you are building wealth. You are building um, not only for yourself, but for your employees. Um, you are providing them a means to make a living. You're serving clients and you're being hopefully a force for good in the world. And when you go to sell that, then you wanna make sure that your employees are taken care of. You wanna make sure that um, you don't leave money on the table. These are the main uh, concerns that folks have when they sell their company. I wanna sell my company. What do I need to make sure of uh, from day one? What would make my company sellable down three to seven years down the line? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, make sure that the company can run without you. This is hard for a lot of business owners uh, to address because they wanna be in the mix of things. But if you're gonna sell successfully, and especially if you do not plan to be with the business after it's sold, you have to make sure it can run without you. So you've gotta have the people and the systems to do that well, right? Also, um, your company uh, will not be very sellable if you have more than 15% of your gross revenue um, that is dependent on any one customer. So you need to have a broad customer base. Sure. You'll do a lot better in the sale also if you have a scalable company. If you can take what you do and scale it up massively and you don't have the accompanying increase in your uh, expenses. When you go to sell, you wanna have a good idea who you're gonna sell to. And there's nothing that says that you can't contact potential buyers. As well, you need to have things in order, all your IP, your finances, your legal affairs, because due diligence will uncover shortcomings there and the price that you fetch could go down. If my plan is to grow through acquisitions, um, let's say that you know I have my marketing agency and I wanna acquire other marketing agencies, uh, what would you recommend that I do to kind of scale this strategy, become humongous myself, and later on either just continue running these multiple multiple companies or even exit building, you know, this huge portfolio of marketing agencies. What would you recommend that I do, generally speaking? 70% of M&A deals fail. In other words, uh, they do not achieve the objectives uh, 
that the buyers and sellers had in mind. In order to avoid that, it is imperative that you plan the acquisition. And what this means is that within your company, you have agreement amongst the executives as to why you are acquiring and what the uh, objective criteria are as far as a successful target goes. For example, in your case, you want to acquire to build, right? So are you building your uh, customer base? Are you acquiring in order to get IP or other products? So in other words, you have agreement on that within your house. Yeah. Now, once you have that and the objective criteria, so you know a good target when you see it, what we're getting at here, how are you going to pay for it? Uh, typically, it's a mix of monies where you've got some uh, internal company money, you've got some external money uh, in terms of loans, or maybe you bring in investors, so you're giving away some equity. So you've got to have that in hand. Now, then, you're ready to go shopping. So maybe uh, your targets are your competitors or uh, maybe they are companies in an adjacent market that you uh, wish to enter. So once you've got that all, all sorted out, you approach them and then you undertake the deal. Okay. My case, you know, well, a couple of things popped to my mind here, but yeah, first I'd acquired these, uh, these various companies mostly for, for cash flow. So um, getting a bunch, like you said, a bunch of, they have a bunch of micro customers and these customers they pay, you know, so I would evaluate their, their churn, uh, their general customer satisfaction, their ARR and so forth. And I think that the main strategy here would, for me to acquire, acquire really a superstar team uh, in terms of, you know, uh, marketing services, let's say. And once I have that team, which I would pay for a, a greater premium, I guess I, I'd pay that, that team yeah, for quite a high price. And then I'd, I would acquire other competitors that are doing a less good job at serving their clients, but do have a bunch of, of clients. So they're better rounded in sales. And I would kind of take the advantage of, of both, you know, one team that is better at sales and one team that is better at ops. And I would serve their customer better. So that, that could be a huge advantage. And I guess that's, that's what a bunch of um, agency portfolio owners are, are doing. But I, I'm curious as per why do both M&A fail? Is it because of new management? Like let's say that I keep the CEO in a position in his position for one or two years after the acquisition, why, why would my acquisition potentially fail there? There are a whole variety of reasons why M&A fails. And a lot of it has to do with the preparation I spoke of. Some people, they fall in love with a company and they must have it, whether it makes business sense or not. That's where the objective criteria come in. It sounds like in your case, that you have a strategy already. And by the way, people buy, uh, companies buy other companies for their teams every day. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a really good reason to purchase um, all other things uh, being equal. Also, um, sometimes uh, as far as deals gone wrong, uh, the due diligence is incomplete. Uh, you 
must absolutely look beyond the financial due diligence and look at the systems that um, of the acquiring company, um, any legal um, entanglements they may have, uh, and look at the integration uh, that's going to be necessary in order to fold that company into yours. Many times the integration costs are vastly underestimated. And once they are tallied, then the financial case for making uh, the acquisition goes away. So you have to be very cognizant of the whole process and the costs associated with the whole process. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, these, these costs, they mount up. So you name um, in investors that would take share of, let's say, the the full portfolio. Um, I guess you can get a bunch of money from banks as well. Um, we, we could discuss about that, but my understanding of if you want to be a good M&A um, manager, if you want, or, or be successful at own, owning a huge portfolio of, of companies, which is my ambition, I think you need to be very good at, you know, scaling at your own agency first, like having a bunch of structure and, and processes um, being set legal wise and um, accounting wise, fin financial wise. And once you can do that, and once you can potentially scale your own process and have a, a master understanding of the full process, then you can go in, in acquisitions and then grow your, your, your own um, portfolio. Um, is that fair to say? It is. And, um, you know, one thing that I would say to you is that, and, and to the audience, uh, absolutely, is that uh, once you start to address these questions, um, obtain some additional outside uh, eyeballs and advice, whether mm -hmm. it's us or somebody else. Um, it, it helps to have that objective outside view and they also may be able to make you aware of options that perhaps you didn't consider or know you had, as well as helping you to make sure that the things that you're doing are gonna meet your objectives, that you can achieve your, your ultimate goals. Sure, so that would take the form of either like, yeah, having a couple of investors in and they would check um, the, the quality of the deals that might um, also include paying firms like you to do due diligence um, and or, you know, having, for example, a mastermind group of similar um, investors that would uh, have a look at the deal and, and tell you what, what they think about it, right? Yes. And it can also involve what's the plan, right? If you want to own 10 companies to do X, Y, Z, how do you get there? What's the, what's the best ways to get there? What are your options? How much money is it gonna cost? What do you need to have internally in order to be successful? So sure. that- Also, also is know, it fair to say- How do you say, go about it? I mean, if the, the success rate is like 30% and MNA, can it help for me to acquire, you know, at least 10 agencies? Let's say that seven on 10 will fail, but the three that will win will, win big and probably 10x my investment? Is that the strategy at play here? So with some good outside help, 
uh, you can go 10 for 10. You don't have to suffer suffer a 70% loss. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's quite hard though. To not, I mean, it's always the quantity and quality debate, you know, like my, my state right now, generally speaking, is 20% quality and 80% quantity. Because yeah, when you go more with quality while well, you dram dramatically increase your your time energy and, and spending but yeah i get you on that i mean if that's if that's your goal to have a perfect track record and to tell your investors that that can also be a positive point of a positive branding strategy so what i'm saying is is that with the proper planning your uh, success rate is going to be far higher and that with the proper planning, you can be looking at the right targets for the right reasons. And by doing your own due diligence correctly, you'll know what you're getting into. So you'll have a far higher rate of success. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's good. Um, that was a, a good interview. Where, uh, where can people find out more about you, Lori? Sure. So you can go to our website, uh, www.byondma.com, beyond.com, ma.com. You can also go to LinkedIn and you can find me, Lori Wiggins, there. And um, in case anyone is interested in talking about their company situation, happy to get on a call with you and my contact information is both on the website and on LinkedIn. Right. Well, Lori, thank you so much. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too.